ask you to go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, that'll be our text this morning. As Chase has already mentioned, the title of our message this morning is I Surrender All, but I'm going to do something a little different this morning. I want us to go ahead and read our passage of Scripture before we get started in the message. So if you're physically able, go ahead and stand, if you would, in honor of the reading of God's Word. We'll read verses 7 through 14 in Philippians chapter 3. Paul writes here, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. If by any means I may attain the resurrection from the dead, then he says, not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press forward. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. Pray with me. Father, I thank you for your word. And Father, I thank you for the truth that is found within your word. And this morning I pray that your word, along with the message that you've given me as your messenger, Lord, would permeate hearts in this place this morning. Father, I pray that lives will be changed this morning because of your word. And Father, I pray that the kingdom will also be impacted because of what you do in this place this morning. And God, we ask it all for your glory and all for your honor. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can be seated. You know, one of the greatest hymns I remember singing throughout the years was a hymn entitled, I surrender all. And most of the time, that hymn would be sung at the invitation time. In fact, to me, it's the perfect hymn that you can sing at an invitation because, I mean, who would not want to give their very all to Jesus? But despite all the earnest intentions you or I may have when we are singing those lyrics, even when we sing them from the depths of our heart, in reality, we realize there's nothing easy about surrendering all to Jesus. And because of that, sometimes we tend to define the word all in the context we desire it to fit into. We will use the word all in a generic sense instead of using it in a specific sense, which would mean giving God access to every area of our life and then surrendering every one of those areas to his lordship. So even though it feels good to sing the hymn or even say those words, I surrender all, here's the reality. If we were all honest, most of us would admit we have a difficult time truly surrendering all to Jesus and to his lordship. You see, we may give up some things to the lordship of Christ, but there are some things that we continue to want to hold on to and be in charge of when it comes to our lives. And what can make it harder today for us to surrender is the fact that we live in a culture that wants to tell us the exact opposite of biblical truth when it comes to our life. Culture teaches you this, it's my life, Therefore, it's my choice, so I can live my life the way I choose to. However, the Bible says something completely different. 
Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you are bought at a price, therefore you to glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You see, this morning, if you've been born again and you've been indwelled by the Holy Spirit, then Jesus not only becomes your Savior, but he also should become the very Lord of your life. Your life is no longer yours to live like you would like to live it anymore. You don't get to call the shots. He calls the shots. Your life belongs to the one who paid the ultimate price on your behalf in order to redeem your life from your sin. But you see, our culture today, along with many churches, have adopted the belief and even teach that it is okay to live your life the way you want to live it because God is a God of love. He understands you. And therefore, you can be whoever or whatever you desire to be. But what culture and many churches leave out today is this. God is a holy God. And he's a God of justice. And he cannot and will not tolerate habitual, unrepentant sin in your life. That is why he provided us a savior that could redeem us from a sinful lifestyle. And God also provided us the Holy Spirit to indwell us so that we can overcome the power of sin in our lives. But unfortunately for so many today, that sinful urge to fulfill the desires of the flesh has trumped the truth of God's word. And therefore they have sought and found not only a receptive culture, but in a lot of cases a receptive church who will affirm them in their sinful lifestyle. And because of that, they want to silence anyone who stands on biblical truth. I know you've all heard the term cancel culture. That means there are many in our culture who are willing to do anything necessary to try and cancel out your voice of truth and reason if you dare stand contrary to their point of view by standing on biblical truth. And that trend, I will tell you, will get more and more uh, as we get closer to the return of Christ for his bride. And because of that, I believe God is calling us as the bride of Christ to fully surrender our lives to him and his lordship and to live our lives with a new sense of spiritual urgency. He is calling us as his children to be bold and not to cower in fear and not to compromise, but to stand on his truth and on his promises in order that our light may truly shine before men. Today's cancel culture can do their very best to try and cancel you and me as the messengers of truth. But I can tell you one thing for certain. You see this book right here? This is the divine word of God. It has stood the test of time and it will continue to stand for all eternity. And because of that, we must stand firmly on God's word and we must surrender all we are to God and allow his Holy Spirit to reign supreme in our lives and allow him to lead us in living out a Christ-centered testimony for our culture to see. With that in mind, I want to share with you this morning four keys out of our passage of how you and I can live with spiritual urgency in our culture today. If you have your outline, the first key is this. If you're going to live with spiritual urgency, then you must undergo a purging process. You see that back in verses 7 and 8 where Paul said, But what things were gained to me, these I've counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost. Some translations even say dung for the sake of knowing, I'm sorry, for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. 
Let me ask you this morning, how many of you here today have ever had a yard sale or garage sale? Well, what are things you typically put in that yard sale or garage sale? Things you don't need or things you don't want anymore. And if we were all honest this morning, some of those things we put in the yard sale or garage sale or things we haven't used are needed for years. They were items that were just taking up space in our home, in our garage, or even in our closet. And when we get rid of those things, it's amazing how much room we actually have in our home, garage, or even closet again. But here's the thing. If we're not careful, before too long, we're right back in the same problem. Because we've allowed more of the same to fill our closet, our garage, and our home. But that's the same in our personal lives as well. We let a whole lot of stuff invade our lives that is just plain clutter. And if we were honest, some of the stuff is just pure junk. We allow these things to become distractions. And they keep us from being the child of God that he wants us to be and that he desires us to be and that he's called us to be. And because of those distractions, our influence today in our culture becomes less than what it could be because we've allowed these things in our lives that don't need to be there. So I want to ask you a question this morning. When's the last time you did a true inventory of your life? Nah. Here's the important question. When's the last time you allowed God and the Holy Spirit to do a true inventory of your life? Listen to what David wrote in Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. When's the last time you prayed a prayer like that? Or this morning, has there ever been a time when you prayed a prayer like that? You see, the truth is, if you and I are going to live with spiritual urgency, we cannot allow things in our lives that are going to distract us from doing that. And if we were honest, we tend to make excuses for a lot of the clutter or even the junk that we allow in our lives that keep us from being all God wants us to be. And Paul says here that even things that were gained to him, he also counted those as loss for the sake of the knowledge of knowing Jesus Christ. And some of those things that Paul was willing to give up were his reputation, his heritage, his achievements, and even some friendships for the cause of Christ. And those may be some of the very same things you and I need to give up as well. What are you holding on to this morning that you need to give up? Could it be something like your worldly reputation among your work peers? Could it be your worldly achievements or your worldly accomplishments? Could it be your cultural popularity that uh, you want to do everything you can to fit in with our culture today? Or could it be your love for your material possessions? Or could it be you're holding on to some unhealthy or even toxic relationships that are keeping you from walking with the Lord like he's called you to walk? Or maybe it's your hobbies or your social life. Maybe they're more important to you than they need to be. Or maybe could it be your obsession with social media or other technology? Could it be... TV shows you're watching? Could it be movies you're watching? I can go on and on. Could it be the music you're listening to? Could it be endless hours spent watching cable news? As you can see, there are so many things that not only can distract us today, but that can even cause us harm. And if we were totally honest with God, you know that you need, just like I had to make the same declaration before God, that we need to count some of these things as rubbish. Rubbish or dung in order that we may know Christ more intimately and live our life with spiritual urgency. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 are two verses. I know that most of you in here have read many times. You've even heard it mentioned many times. You may have even heard these verses preached many times. 
But I want to ask you this morning, how often have you really focused on the message and truth of these two verses and let that truth dictate how you live your life? Listen to these verses closely this morning as I read them. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says this, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking where? Unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God. I need you to notice something so very important about those verses this morning. And here it is. Because too many people get this wrong. They read this verse and they put things together instead of reading it as the verse is written. He said, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, the first thing he says is lay, us, lay aside every weight. That's those distractions. Those, those things you allow in your life that weigh you down and keep you from running the race God has set before you. And then he says, and the sin. So there's the weight of the distractions, but then there's also sin. There's sin that you can allow in your life that'll also distract you and weigh you down from running the race. God has asked you to run. But then he says something else. He said, looking unto Jesus. He didn't say looking to culture. He didn't say look at what's popular today. He said, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. So this morning, I wanna ask you, what weight are you carrying that is hindering you in your race? What sin are you holding on to that is bogging you down? Are you actually truly looking to Jesus? Or are you looking to culture to dictate how you live your life? If you and I are going to live with the spiritual urgency that God is calling us to live with, then we must undergo a purging process by allowing not ourselves, but the Holy Spirit to convict us of hindrances and also sin that we have in our life. And then in obedience, get rid of those things. And just like your house, your garage, or your closet can get cluttered again, so can your life. So you and I must remember, we must continually undergo a purging process. But here's the second key when it comes to living with spiritual urgency we see from this passage, and it's number two on your outline. If you're going to live with spiritual urgency, then you must properly order your personal priorities. I want you to know, go back and look at verses eight, and ten, eight through 10, or eight and nine specifically. He says, yet indeed I count all things as loss. Why? There was a purpose behind it. For the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. That's why he considered all things lost. That's why he didn't mind suffering the loss of all things because his first priority was getting to know Jesus. When you and I decide about what should take the highest priorities in our life, do we normally base the decision on what we feel is right? Or do we normally base that decision on the word of God? You see, the truth is a lot of people have their priorities all out of order today. And most of the time their priorities are out of order because they've allowed too many things to distract them from what is most important. That's why you can't begin to get your personal priorities in the right order until you undergo the purging process and remove all the clutter and address the sin that's in your life that is hindering you from pursuing what God said is most important. Paul said again, everything else he considered rubbish in order to grow in his knowledge of Jesus Christ. You cannot fully know Jesus Christ and learn all there is to learn about him if you don't get rid of all that other stuff that hinders you from doing that. And it's only when you've allowed the Holy Spirit to lead you in purging those distractions and those hindrances and those sins from your life can you begin to live out the proper biblical priorities in your life. And all those priorities are found in Scripture. And again, Paul gives us the most important one here in this passage, and that is knowing God intimately. 
We have to make him the number one priority in our life and then take the steps necessary to do that. You know, we're told in the Ten Commandments that we're not to have any other God, small G-O-D-S, before Jehovah God. We're also told in Matthew 6, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Scripture is clear that nothing, absolutely nothing, should take priority over knowing Jesus Christ more intimately and growing in our knowledge of him daily. And the first step you need to do, to do that in making him the number one priority of your life is devoting the time necessary to do just that. You need to make sure you schedule quality time with God each and every day. Then you must use that time wisely in his presence. And you need to remove all the distractions that will keep you from spending quality time with him. And read his word and study his word and then let his word impact your life. You see, it's not enough. Listen to me. It's not enough to just read a devotional or read a few verses each day, check a box and feel good about doing it. No, listen to me. You need to read whatever you read in a devotional. And more importantly, whatever you read in God's word needs to be looked at as God's divine message to you. And then you need to meditate on it and let it change your life. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 says this. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. There has to be purpose behind your Bible study. And then listen, the psalmist says this in Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. You've got to hide God's word in your heart and meditate on it day and night. You see, you've got to let God's word Penetrate your life and have purpose in your life. The next step in making God the number one priority is this. You need to spend quality time in worship every day. Every day. Listen, I love being here on Sunday. I love praise and worship music. I love hymns. I love what Bradley did this morning. I was in the first service. I love the choir and orchestra and all that went on there. I love to worship God. But you don't have to wait till Sunday to worship God. You can worship him wherever you are each and every day. Whether it's listening to worship music and singing along, and I don't care if you don't have a, a voice like Bradley or Brother Tim or anybody, sing. I believe when it crosses the ears of Almighty God, it sounds pleasing unto him. Sing with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul. Worship him. Worship him no matter where you are. And maybe you're just going to, sometimes I'm just going along my day, and sometimes a, a hymn or a, a praise and worship song will come across my mind, and I'll just start singing it wherever I am. Worship is so pleasing to God. Listen to these verses. Psalm 146.2 says, While I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Psalm 98.4 says, Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth in song. Rejoice and sing praises. Worship brings you close to God. It really does. But not only does Bible study and worship help make God the number one priority in your life, but also by spending quality time in prayer. Don't miss what I'm going to tell you this morning. Quality time in prayer is not just quickly lifting up your petitions to God and moving on. Prayer is a two-way communication between you and the heart of God. And part of any two-way communication is listening. When you and I spend quality time in prayer, both petitioning God, but also listening, 
It becomes a way for us to become near to the heart of God. Psalm 145, 18 says, The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. You see, prayer is vital, so vital in making sure that God has the number one priority in your life. And then there's one last way I want to mention to you this morning that you can make God first in your life and grow in your knowledge of him, and that's by spending time with other mature Christians who you can discuss God's word with and who will encourage you in your walk, but also help hold you accountable. We can't never take for granted the time spent with other true believers. Proverbs 27, 17 says this, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. And also Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes that a strand of three cords bound together is not easily broken. What that is saying, my friend, this morning is we are so much better when we're bound together in Christ. So if you and I will do these things, and we'll do these things on a consistent basis, we will elevate God to his proper place of being the number one priority in our life. But here's the second most important priority in your life if you're a Christian, if you're going to keep your personal priorities in the proper order. After God, it must be your family. It has to be your family. God first, then your family must come second. No matter what stage of life you're in or what role you have in the family unit, investing quality time in your family and modeling Christ-like behavior before them is vitally important. But this morning, if you are a husband or a father, then I want to not only encourage you this morning, but I want to plead with you specifically to make sure that you are teaching and modeling Christ-like ideals and truths before your wife and your children. Men, if you have a family, there's nothing more important after your relationship with Christ than your relationship with your family. God created us as the men to be the spiritual leader of our home. And not only does he expect us to do that, I believe he's going to hold us accountable one day for whether we did that or not. Therefore, this was a role you need to take seriously. And men, first and foremost, you need to love your wife supremely above anything else other than Jesus himself. In fact, you need to love your wife as much as you love yourself. You are to cherish her and encourage her. You need to look at her as your God-given helper and as someone who has different gifts and abilities that she brings to your marriage relationship. And those are things that you don't have. And as a spiritual leader of your home, you need to make sure that you are bathing your wife in Scripture and in prayer as often as you can. Now, you make a look up here and say, Bob, why do we need to do that? I'm glad you asked. God's Word says this in Ephesians 5, verses 25 through 29. Husbands, love your wives. How? Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. Men, don't miss it. <laughs> our role given to us by God is clear. If we love our wife and lead her spiritually the way God expects us to, then she will be much more likely to fulfill her God-given role as your wife. You must always remember, you must lead your wife the way God says to and not the way you think is right. And listen, if you're a wife here this morning, then God's role and expectation of you is also mentioned in Ephesians chapter 5. They're found in verses 22 through 25. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. 
For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. So you see, wives, your role given by God is also clear. But here's a key that you don't need to miss. The key to living with that kind of spiritual harmony in the home is the fact that being obedient to God's word is both the priority of the husband and the wife. When that happens, then God can become the true calming and unifying spiritual influence in the home that he desires to be. And that calming spiritual influence in your home is so key, especially when it comes to the next priority I want to talk to you about this morning. And that is raising your children if you have them. And fathers, again, listen very closely this morning. God has given us a biblical mandate in our role in raising our children. If you keep on reading the book of Ephesians in chapter 6, verse 4, Paul says this. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. As I said earlier, I believe uh, as men we will be held accountable for how we lead our wives and how we lead our children. So we need to take seriously this God-given biblical mandate. Dads, never forget that your family needs you more than your job. They need you more than your hobbies or any other thing that takes valuable time away from them. And don't misunderstand me this morning. I'm not saying your job is not important. I'm saying working so much at your job that it takes valuable time away from your family. That's when it becomes a problem. And dads and moms both, let me lovingly remind you this morning that it's not up to the church to raise your children. It is up to you. The church is here to come alongside you and to support you and to reinforce the godly values and truths your children should be getting from you at home. And dads, he holds you accountable as a spiritual leader to raise your children in the knowledge and also the fear of the Lord. So therefore, dads, make sure you know God's word yourself because the only way you're going to be able to to live out that word and teach your children the, the whole counsel of God's word is you must know that word yourself. And why is it so important? It's so important because of what's happening in our nation today. There's a serious battle taking place for the hearts and minds of your children. And if you are a parent, you need to make sure you're not only aware of what's going on, but you need to make sure you're taking active steps in your home to teach biblical truth to your children. Please hear me this morning. If you're a parent, even if you're a grandparent this morning, don't miss the importance of this hour that we live and the desperate need to protect your children and grandchildren from the sinful agenda of the enemy. You must always talk with your children and your grandchildren on a regular basis and understand what they're watching. You need to know what they're listening to and you need to know who their friends are. You've got to understand that there's an unbiblical ideology that is being pushed not only on us, but especially on our children today. And this is happening in many ways and at many levels. This ideology seeks to indoctrinate our children to prejudge themselves, but also prejudge others as either good or bad based on the color of their skin. Let me just tell you this morning, here's what God's word says. The Bible teaches that because we are all made in the image of God, we are not to prejudge others by their outward appearance as 1 Samuel 16, 7 teaches us, but instead we are to judge others as the Lord does, which is based on the content of their heart. You must take time to get to know someone, not just judge them or prejudge them based on the color of their skin. This ideology also wants to indoctrinate our children to accept and believe that abortion is okay and even acceptable at any stage of pregnancy. And in some cases, they believe in infanticide. 
which is killing or murdering babies even after they are born. This ideology teaches against the biblical definition of marriage, which is clear in Scripture, one man and one woman. And it also teaches in Scripture that the family unit consists of a father, a mother, and their children. And this unbiblical ideology also teaches that one's gender can be individually selective based on how one feels at any given time. Brother Ray preached on this just a few weeks ago. If you didn't hear it, you need to go back and listen to it. It is one of the most powerful messages I've ever heard. And the online threat, which reinforces this dangerous ideology, is very serious. It's no secret that most of the social media sites are owned by these same ideologues, and therefore they're in lockstep with the enemy in promoting and supporting this indoctrination, while at the same time censoring most of the time the real truth. And this indoctrination, as I said earlier, is happening in many places and at many levels. But one of the most dangerous places, don't miss this this morning, this is happening, is in our education system. Church, our government is broken today. And in many places, our education system is broken today. Many denominations are broken today. Many churches are broken today. Many homes are broken today. And many individual lives are broken today. And guess what? They all have something very important in common their absence of the power and presence of the living God what we need today in our nation is a modern day Pentecostal moment where the Holy Spirit falls fresh and anew on our government our education system our denominations our churches our homes and on our individual lives because if that were to happen, you would see real change. No longer would man want to look at things his way. He'd begin to look at things God's way. People would begin to look at each other like they should and treat people like they should. And people would begin to work together in a way that would glorify God and not glorify man. That is what we need. But until that time comes, parents, grandparents, and church we need to become even more urgent when it comes to our children and understand that the battle is so real and it rages every single day for their hearts and minds. And therefore, we cannot sit idly by and do nothing. We need to fight for our children and their future by standing unashamedly for biblical truth and not compromising one bit. I heard Tony Evans put it this way. Whoever owns the family owns the future. That is so true. And therefore, we cannot miss the urgency of this moment. We must do as Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Parents, you must redeem the time you have with your children and use it wisely because you will never get that time back. Take it seriously. We also must remember, as Tony Evans also said, that as Christians, we don't represent an earthly king. We represent the king of kings. And because of that, we must call it like he calls it and not like the culture tells us to call it. Let me finish up this key to living with spiritual urgency, dealing with our personal priorities by saying this. After God and after your family, the next major part of your life is not your job or your work. It's serving the living God. And that leads to the third key. I want to share with you this morning when it comes to living with spiritual urgency. The third point in your outline is this. If you're going to live with spiritual urgency, then you must undertake 
the right passionate pursuit. You see that in verse 12. Paul said, not that I've already attained or have already been made perfect, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. You see, whatever you're passionate about is typically where you're gonna spend the most time pursuing in your life. But the key as a Christian is to undertake the right passion pursuit, which is what Paul mentioned here in verse 12. The words press on in this verse means this. It means that you are pursuing either rapidly or decisively toward an objective. That's a passionate pursuit. Paul's passionate pursuit was to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus had laid hold of him. You see, his goal was not to not only know God's purpose for his life, but also to live out that purpose every day. So I want to ask you this morning, do you know what your God-given purpose is? Have you identified your God-given gifts and talents that God has given you? And more importantly, are you using them for what God has in store for you? You see, each of us must realize that if we are born again, if we're a follower of Christ, then we have all been given a God-given purpose. The question, though, is this. Have you laid hold of that purpose, as Paul said, for which Christ Jesus laid hold of you? If you don't know what your God-given purpose is, then you need to seek and ask God what it is. Each and every believer has been given gifts and abilities that God expects them to use for his kingdom work. In Romans chapter 12, verses 6 and 8, Paul says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Our ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Notice that Paul didn't say here in this verse only that we each had different gifts according to the grace given to us. He said something very important. He said, let us use them. But sadly, I believe there are many who are idle today. They've grown complacent or apathetic, and so therefore they're not using their God-given gifts and abilities. And because of that, they're fulfilling, they're, because of that, they're not fulfilling their God-given purpose. But maybe you're here this morning, and you've never identified what your spiritual gifts are, and you need to know how to do that. Well, I want to tell you. One of the best ways is by taking a spiritual gifts inventory. You can find them online. You can call this church. We'll, 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 we'll give you some that are good. You'll answer a series of questions that will help you to identify what your gifts and abilities are. And to help you also identify where you need to be serving. But secondly, you can ask yourself this question. This question, what are you passionate about? And then ask God to help you channel that passion, to into, in, to channel that passion into his kingdom work. But also, more importantly, spend time in prayer. Seek the Lord. Ask him where and how he wants to use you in serving him. Because I can guarantee you this, one thing for certain. God doesn't want any of us spending our time idly. He doesn't want us spending our time on things that have no eternal significance. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Ask yourself this morning, where are you laying up your treasure? Are you focused on building earthly treasure and earthly fame or fortune, or are you focused on building heavenly treasure by using your God-given gifts and abilities for his purpose? How you answer that question is very important because this is what Paul also says. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 and 10, he said, Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good 
are bad. Paul goes on to say because of that, he did his best to persuade men to use their gifts and abilities and fulfill God's purpose for their lives, knowing that we will all give an accounting one day before a holy God where there will be no excuses for what we did or for what we didn't do. If you are here this morning and you are not pursuing and living out your God-given purpose, then I urge you to find out what that is and then get busy serving the Lord. And that leads me to the last key I want to share with you this morning. It's number four in your outline. If you are going to live with spiritual urgency, then you must always keep the proper perspective. Paul talked about that in verses 13 and 14. You see, when it comes to living with spiritual urgency, we as Christians must always live with the proper perspective. And one aspect of that means you and I cannot let things from our past keep us from living with the kind of spiritual urgency we need to today. And those things from our past could either be good or bad. But there are a lot of people today that are still letting their past sins, their past failures, their past unhappy experiences, or even their past blessings or even their successes keep them from being all God wants them to be right now. And if you were here this morning and you were one of those holding on to regret, or you're feeling you are unworthy because of past sin or failures, one thing that I want you to remember this morning is once you were born again, The Bible says that we have become new creatures in Christ Jesus. Old things pass away and all things become new. Our past sins and failures are then wiped fully clean. They are completely forgiven. And we have been given a brand new life, a brand new purpose, and a secure future because we have been, listen to me, fully redeemed. There's no such thing as partial redemption. You've been fully redeemed once you've been born again. And so therefore you must remember the promises of God. Hebrews 8, 12 says this, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. Psalm 103, 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And then Romans 8, 1, there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. If you have been truly born again, then rest in the knowledge that God sees you as one of his redeemed children. Do not allow the enemy to make you keep looking back, but instead hold on to the promises of God and trust in his forgiveness and also in your eternal security. But then when it comes to your past successes, you must not rest in those either. You see, no matter your age or what you've done in the past for the kingdom of God, if God still has you here, he still has a plan and purpose for you. Therefore, you must continue to use your gifts and abilities for the glory of God. You see, you can retire from an earthly job, but there's no retirement from serving God. And in reality, none of us would want God to look down on us and say this. Well, you know what? I've given you all the blessings allotted for you, and I've answered all the prayers I'm going to answer for you. Therefore, I'm moving on from you, and now you're on your own. None of us would want God to treat us that way. So therefore, we don't need to treat God that way or serving him or his kingdom that way either. You see, as long as you have breath, you need to serve the Lord with joy and you need to fulfill your God-given purpose. But here's something else very important to remember. You and I can't live with spiritual urgency also if we're worried about what the future might hold either. You see, when Paul says here in verse 13 that he is reaching forward to those things which are ahead, he's not saying at all that he's worried about the future. No, just the contrast. 
He is saying, in light of my eternal future and the fact that it is secure in Christ, he says, I therefore live my life now in a way that will be pleasing to God by fulfilling the ministry he has entrusted to me. You see, if we spend time worrying about tomorrow or worrying about what the future may hold, we can lose focus on living today for today and living today with the kind of spiritual urgency God desires us to live by. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 33 and 34, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, he says, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So I want to ask you this morning, where's your focus? What kind of perspective are you living with this morning? Are you still stuck living in the past? Are you trying to live in the future? Or are you living each day with the kind of spiritual urgency God wants you to live with so you can make a difference for his kingdom? You know, my wife and have the word, we have the word win, W-I-N. We have it on our refrigerator in our kitchen. We also have it on the mirror in the bathroom. And what we do is we use that as a reminder to us to stay grounded in the moment and to live with the proper perspective when it comes to our lives. And here's the reason for that. You see, WIN is an acronym in our home, and here's what it means for us. What's important now? Because in reality, that's really what matters most. That's really, though, what should matter most in all of our lives. You see, you and I can't live for what's important now if we're focused on the past or if we're focused on the future. And we cannot win our race in life if we're not properly focused and living in obedience to God and his plan and purpose for our life. You know, Paul used a lot of athletic analogies in his messages and in his writings. And I want you to think about something. He, he's talked a lot about running a race. Now, the Olympics is going on right now, and I'll be honest with you, I haven't watched a whole lot of it, but I know there's, there, there's races involved, track and fields involved. And here's what I can tell you, and I'm not a track star, but I guarantee you, Bradley and I come up here and we were to race, and I'm running along looking backwards, and Bradley's looking forward, I guarantee you one thing, Bradley's going to beat me because I'm not focused on the finish line. I'm not focused on the prize that's ahead. That's the same. It's true in our life. You see, you're not going to win in life if you're not probably focused. Verse 14, Paul says, when he uses the phrase, I press toward the goal for the prize, the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. That's the idea of him finishing his race well. Listen to me, not in the eyes of society, but finishing his race well in the eyes of God, because really that's all that matters. Paul knew that because he was living out his purpose for which God had laid hold of him, there was going to be a prize awaiting him at the end of his race. And that prize was eternity with Jesus. But the truth is this morning, that same prize is available to each one of us who run our race with spiritual urgency and finish well just like he did. So this morning, I want to close by asking you, are you running your race with spiritual urgency? Do you feel like in your race that God has for you, do you feel like you are winning? I believe you can win and I believe you can live with spiritual urgency if you'll practice these four keys. But I wanna be honest with you this morning, the only way that you're gonna be able to practice these four keys and to practice them consistently in your life is by going back to how we began this message. You must be willing to surrender all to Jesus. You see, if you're a child of God this morning, I want to ask you a few questions. And I had to ask myself this question. I'll be honest with you. 
If you're answering honestly and let the Holy Spirit convict you, you're going to answer probably like I did. Have you truly surrendered your all to Jesus? It's a tough question. And you can easily let a yes roll off your lips. But if you let the Holy Spirit really search you and try you, you're going to find out it's not as easy to answer yes as you think. And then this, are there things in your life that you need to purge? Are your personal priorities really in the right order? Is God first in your life? Dads, let me ask you, is your wife and children getting your proper attention? And are you really the spiritual leader in your home? Parents, are you pouring God's truth into your children daily? But more importantly, are you living out that godly example before them every single day? Everyone in here, are you living out God's purpose for you by living, by using the gifts and abilities he's given you to serve in his kingdom? Are you living with a proper perspective this morning? Are you still focused behind? Are you focused too much on the future? Or are you really focused on winning today? You see, this morning, I hope you'll take the time to truly let the Holy Spirit and not yourself speak to your heart. And then I hope you'll allow him to reveal to you some areas in your life that you need to be completely honest about with him this morning. So here's what I'm gonna ask you today. I want you to bow your head this morning. In just a moment, we're gonna have a time of invitation. And I want you to feel free to make any decision that you feel the Lord's asking you to make this morning. You can come to this altar. You can seek the Lord and ask him by the power of the Holy Spirit to help you surrender your every bit of you, your all to him in order that you can live with spiritual urgency. You may be this morning and you say, you know what, I've never trusted my life to Christ. I've never been truly born again, then I want to invite you to do that as well. Maybe you're here this morning and you're looking for a church home. We'd love to have you be a part of our family here at Ridgecrest. In just a minute, I'm going to be down front. Uh, James and Chase will be down front with me. And I'm going to ask you, if the Holy Spirit leads you to make any decision, I want to ask you to make it. And remember, the altar is also open. If you're watching us online this morning, you're going to be given a instructions at the end of our service today on how you too can make a decision. In just a moment, brother, it's going to begin to sing. And I'm going to ask you to move as the Holy Spirit asks you to move. But first, I want to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Father, I thank you for the conviction of your word. And Father, right now, this is your moment. This is a holy moment. And God, I pray right now that your spirit would move across this sanctuary. And God, it would convict hearts. And Father, any decision that needs to be made this morning, Father, I pray that you give people the courage to get up, walk down this aisle, go to this altar, come to one of us and make any decision that you're asking them to make. Again, Father, we ask it all for your honor and all for your glory. Father, help us not to miss the importance of of living every single day with spiritual urgency. I ask it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and stand here.